Welcome to Untangling Circularity, the podcast that addresses unanswered circular economy questions in a relatable and fun, engaging manner. I am Laura Novich, and along with my colleague and co-host Cynthia Power, we created this platform to have impactful conversations with thought leaders in the circularity space and highlight sustainable solutions that are available to us all. So please enjoy this episode. A big thank you to one of our sponsors for Season 2, Housing Works. Housing Works upscale New York City thrift shops are frequented by discerning fashionistas, socially conscious celebrities, and sustainable style influencers alike. Now the thrill of thrifting is available to shoppers around the globe 24-7 on eshop.housingworks.org. All proceeds support Housing Works, an organization dedicated to ending HIV and AIDS and homelessness through life-saving services and relentless advocacy. Learn more at housingworks.org. Hello, and welcome back to the Untangling Circularity podcast and our current season on learning about repair across industries. Uh, today, we're talking all about shoe repair and our fun tidbit uh, for me I love buying a really nice pair of shoes just in general. Um, that's a fun experience, but buying a really nice pair of shoes and getting them resold multiple times over years and kind of finding that person who can do that for you. I love that experience. I did it a lot in my twenties. I feel like I haven't done that so much in my thirties. And I think that the part of my issue is I haven't found someone that I can trust locally to do it. Um, and so I think that's kind of a high friction part of the process for a lot of people is they're not sure like who to go to or what to do. So I'm really curious to learn more about this today with our guest. Yeah. Um, my fun tidbit is that I am a three pair, three pair shoe kind of gal. I have my warm, my summer shoe, my winter shoe, and then like sneakers. And th- that's it. <laughs> I I cannot believe this, and I, I feel like I'm, I'm ashamed to even be in the same Zoom room as you right now. It's so impressive. I mean, those are my main ones. I say like I have a pair of flip flops that I've had since I was not oh, allowed. I've had, oh, I've had those for like I no joke twenty years, and I've had this flip flops because those are the only ones that I wear to like a pool or a beach, but like. Everything has a purpose, right? All of my shoes just have their, <laughs> they have a purpose. So are you a four-shoe gal or well, do you have some other lurkers in your closet? I mean, those are my main shoes, right? I only wear, I only rotate out those three pairs of shoes. Yeah. I'd say I have like two other pairs that I have, but I don't, I haven't rotated those in, in like 10 years. They're just yeah. there because- like just in case one of my yeah. pairs fails, maybe I'll go back to those. Well, you're um, still putting me to shame. I would say I easily have twenty pairs of shoes. Easily. Oh, that's um, okay. so. And you I know, wear like the same three pairs all the time. Like that. So you know, you're kind of a three pair kind of person. You know, kind of roughly. Yeah. Kind it's like of. a three, three, and then some. You know, some side. Some side three pieces. and change. Yeah. Side piece shoes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Side piece shoes. I call them when I'm lonely. Yes. <laughs> Yes, that's exactly what they are. Um, Mm -hmm. So we are really excited to hear from Stephen Kelly today. He is the CEO and co-founder of Cobblers Direct. Um, But before we start our conversation, we wanted to give some quick stats about shoe repair for a little bit of context here. So the shoe repair industry right now is valued at roughly $286.4 million. And that was in 2023. And currently in the U.S., there are about 3,500 shoe repair shops. Um, 
So we will learn a little bit more about this in our conversation with Stephen. So let's jump right in. So hi, everyone. Uh, Today, we are chatting with uh, Stephen Kelly about shoes. Stephen is the co-founder and CEO of Cobblers Direct. Hi, Stephen. Hello. Thanks for having me. We're so happy to have you. I'm going to I'm going to read your quick bio and then we'll hop into our conversation. So um, Stephen, it is Stephen, not Stefan, right? Um, it was always Stephen. And then when Stephen Curry got popular for the for the Warriors, <laughs> actually, Stephen works. And I'll take that, too. So whatever you, whatever, whatever you please. All right. <laughs> but it's Stephen. All yes. right. <laughs> Mr. Kelly is a third-generation cobbler cobbler whose family has built the world's largest and most trusted shoe repair company, the Shoe Hospitals. Stephen spent 15 years in the life sciences industry before returning to the family business on a mission to encourage people to repair over replace. Yay! (laughs) He launched Cobblers Direct in 2021, which is now the industry leader in mail-in shoe, boot, handbag, and belt repair services. Stephen lives in Austin, Texas, and loves spending time in nature with his wife and three daughters. And we love to share that, yes, he is a loud and proud girl dad. As, um, well, we're not girl dads. We're girl moms. Laura's got both. I've just got a girl. Yeah. Fantastic. (laughs) Lots of pink and glitter here in this meeting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Welcome. We're so happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, So, I mean, Stephen and I have had a few conversations over... uh, uh, last year or so, and I think that we've we've discussed this before, but I it never gets old hearing about this of how repairable are shoes from your experience. Very, very repairable. <laughs> we would say all shoes are repairable. Um, definitely, things have changed over the years. Um, shoes in the past were really intended; they were manufactured to be repaired. Back in the mm-hmm. day, you know, dress shoes they were made of leather goods and they had leather soles where they were stitched on. Um, and because <clears throat> back in the day, that's what people did. They fixed their shoes. There were shoe repair shops. There was a cobbler on every corner all across the yeah. country. You got your shoes fixed. This is kind of yeah. before sneakers came into popularity. But <clears throat> so older shoes, classically made shoes, um, very repairable. But even the newer shoes, sneakers and um, some of the molded rubber unit bottom shoes, which I can explain more of that, um, those are repairable too. Now, I would say that some of the more classic cobblers are not really equipped to fix those. We are. We have a way. We know how to fix, uh, you know, we fix vans. We fix um, Birkenstocks, tons of Birkenstocks, just all kinds of sh- the, the newer shoes, too. Um, we do Air Jordans, you know, all, all kinds of stuff. So anyway, from that to the to the ladies' stilettos, uh, Christian Louboutins, and any other brands. So we, we can fix everything, anything and everything we can fix it. Um, it's just to the extent of what the customer's expectations are and what they're hoping to see once we're done with it. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, I would say, yes, they're repairable. Um, you know, I, I think uh, people have, are, have, un- have the false, uh, false understanding that shoes are, don't, nobody fixes their shoes anymore, and that's just not the case. Um, a lot of people don't because there's not a cobbler nearby and they, they're not, haven't yeah. been exposed to it before. A lot of the younger yeah. generation doesn't even know what a cob- they don't even know what a cobbler is. Um, yeah. but yes, most certainly shoes, shoes can, of all shapes and sizes can be repaired. Yeah. What's the number one type of item that you're repairing at Cobblers Direct? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> I would say it's predominantly, predominantly, oh man, that's a really tough one. It changes all the time. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, men's, men's dress shoes, just because that's the, mm-hmm. that's kind of the go-to, you know, we're, we're Kohan's authorized repair partners. We do a lot of Kohan repairs and a lot of similar brands, as you can imagine, yeah. um, where they're authorized partner for repairs. So we get a lot of those, but, yeah. uh, through our partnerships through like DSW and other brands, you know, we, we have a tons of ladies, ladies heels, um, ladies, high heels, ladies, flats. Those are probably our two most, most high, uh, volume, I would say, yeah. but, um, <clears throat> But I would also argue that, you know, it, it's seasonal too. Western boots are huge for us. We do tons of Western boots and then we're getting more and more. I would say our fastest growing sector is handbags and purses. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting more and more, um, you know, high-end, high-designer purses every day. Louis and Gucci's and um, Nork Jacobs. Louis and imagine. Uh, Louis Vuitton? <laughs> yeah, yeah we lots of LVs. Um, oh, I've never heard so, of that. But... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, the, I mean, predominantly it's the dress shoes and the high heels. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's not as many high heels being worn these days, although there's still a lot, but a lot of flats too. I kind of put those in the same group of the ladies, ladies shoes, which like the ballet flats and stuff like that um, yeah. are, are probably the highest volume. Yeah. Um, I, you mentioned your partnerships with DSW and, and Kohan. Can you talk a little bit about some of your partnerships that you have and how those, those work? I, I guess both partnerships with brands and, um, you know, retailers like DSW, but also partnerships with any other types of um, companies. Yeah. Um, the Colhan partnership, I'll start with that one because that's been the one that we've had, you know, for the longest period of time. You know, we, uh, we've been partnered with Colhan for a long time. Um, we were with them with our, with our old brand um, kind of as a silent party. And then more, more recently we kind of, we talk with them. We, we, uh, they wanted to shift more of the consultation focus to us to kind of offload a lot of that because it's just it's hard. And I'll talk more about this later. But you know, consulting with customers about the repairs and what pairs their shoes needs, you have to have you know some thorough understanding yeah. of the repair business and how shoes are made, and not only how they're made, but how they can be repaired. Just because you know how to make yeah. a shoe doesn't doesn't mean you know how to fix a shoe. Uh, we find mm-hmm. that is a big mis- misunderstanding a lot of the times. But um, but yeah, we we now. It's, it's brand four now. Cobbler's Direct is the authorized repair partner for Kohan. And so basically what the way it works is uh, Kohan customers are just directed directly to us. And then we consult with them directly, um, talk with them through the, the design, the style of shoe they have, um, provide our recommendations. We diagnose the damage. We recommend that we can do that pre-order via Zoom or through, tap, for, through, uh, through text or chat. Um, or they can just send them in and then we'll call them once we receive them. Um, but that one's pretty straightforward. That's okay. a direct-to-consumer or we just do the repairs that the customer sends it directly to us. We send it directly back to the customer at their home. So that's pretty, yeah. it's really more of just a referral partnership um, where we handle mm-hmm. all the work and um, we just kind of do it with them as their partner. Um, yeah. The DSW relationship is definitely um, uh, more integrated, I would say. So it is a yeah. true, uh, um, I would say, joint venture, so to speak. You know, we're doing it together, co-branding it. Um, we have been piloting it for well over six years of just testing versions, iterations of what we were going to do. I mean, originally out the gates, we were talking about trying to put a, a, a cobbler in every store. And we were like, how are we going to do this? Cause they wanted to, I mean, they really wanted to lean into it. They're passionate about yeah. it, which I love because they wanted to be more sustainable. They wanted to really en- enhance that customer experience and just be a destination for anything and everything shoes related to yeah. shoes, yeah. Uh, which I totally just applaud them for. I think it's a brilliant idea. So yeah. Um, they've been, they've been searching all around to find a company that could really handle and, 
handle their volume. And then we, we found each other and it was, it's been great ever since. But yeah. after a bunch of iterations, you know, what's happening now is it's a, um, uh, one of the, there are very few th- good things that happened after COVID, but one of them was Q- COVID brought back QR code technology. I don't know if you guys remember yeah. QR codes. Nobody were using was using them. No, no. Everyone said, out. hey, scan the QR code. <laughs> nobody did it. But after uh, COVID, everybody went touchless. So QR codes came back. Yeah. So that's when the light bulb went off. We finally found a way to scale this thing across 507 stores across the U.S., and we designed and implemented an entire QR code program. We built a whole new website, a whole new uh, backend operating system. Um, and basically all it is now is customers can go into any DSW store. There's a shoe repair sign in the store. They just scan the QR code. They place an order on their phone. They don't pay anything. Um, mm. They just place a quick order, put their information in, and then they just drop their shoes off at DSW. They can even text photos on their phone or chat with us live before they drop them off to get any questions answered they want. We handle yeah. all the communication and then they just drop them off in the store and DSW uses our system to take the shoes, print the order paperwork out, they put it in their bags and they pack them up and they ship them all to us. Once we get the shoes, we call every customer just to finalize every order um, and then we repair the items, we ship them back to the store and then the customer comes back to pick them up and pays. they pay when they pick them up. So it's a very easy, uh, low barrier kind of uh way to do shoe repair you know we don't make them pay up front or anything we can let Mm -hmm. them give multiple opportunities to talk with us and get consultation but but more importantly is to give them a direct line to us so we can answer their questions talk to them as cobblers um and and really give them a thorough consultation that they that they need and also not having to you know put that burden on dsw who's very busy trying to service their customers and then all of a sudden someone comes in and says hey can you fix this and they're like oh whoa i got a, a line of people you know and so yeah. we, we kind of take that on for them and we work as a partnership and it's been beautiful. Um, it's a beautiful yeah. uh, kind of symbiosis there. Can I ask a, a little follow-up on one of the things yeah. you said? Um, you said just be, knowing how to make shoes is different than knowing mm-hmm. how to repair shoes. And I would love that kind of like made sense in my head as soon as you said it, but I couldn't really explain why. Can you explain why? Yeah. Or like give an really- example. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a really uh, interesting thing we find. I mean, we've we we met with so many shoe brands. We we work with a lot of brands I can't speak of. It's more of a silent party thing that we're doing behind the scenes. But um, we've even met with a lot of the design teams, which I'm really excited about. I was excited to share this with you guys. They're starting to pull us into their meetings now and their design mm-hmm. meetings of That's how can great. we design a more sustainable shoe that's repairable, because yeah. All design for the last 10 to 20 years has had nothing to do with repairs. It's been about cheap, fast, easy aesthetics, right? Yeah. And that's that's what it's been about. And using cheap materials, getting it put together. Most of the shoes you will find these days, and I'm not going to say any brands, but the vast majority of them, no one's innocent. It's Most of it's fake. So, yeah. you know, back in the day, a shoe used to be made to where you'd have an upper portion of the shoe. You would stitch a welt. It's called a midsole or a welt to the shoe. That's the hard leather. It's a very thin, hard rubber, or it's usually leather, piece that goes straight to the shoe. That's kind of the foundation of the shoe. Then you would stitch a sole to that welt. So you stitch that piece. What it makes it, it makes it to where, oh, the shoes are, the soles are worn out. Then you could just cut the threads, take the sole off, and stitch a new sole to the midsole. That's how shoes were made back in the day with a Blake stitch welt or a Goodyear welt. Um, but nowadays you'll see a new dress shoe. It has a welt on it. It looks all pretty. 
But if you just take a pair of pliers, you could just pry the whole thing off. It's all, none yeah. of it's real. It's just glued yeah. onto the shoe. Right. And it's made to look like a, hand, a stitched, welted, nice shoe right. that was made by hand, but it's all just glued and it's none of it's real. So um, that's kind of what I'm talking about is kind of the new designers. They're not really thinking of how shoes were made back in the day. And, and, and no offense to them, they're trying to make designs. They're trying to cut costs and, and yeah. that's what they're doing. They're doing their job, but they're not designing shoes for, sustainability, to be reworn, to be repaired, to be worn for the long haul. That's not the goal. It's more for yeah. design. So, um, but it's, it's exciting to hear more people are asking us kind of for end feedback on, hey, how can we make a shoe that's easy for you to repair? And yeah. that's the thing we're talking about is having it be, you know, a truly really welted shoe using materials that we can get. For True example, a, tr a truly welted shoe, like a, has a real welt midsole on it. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, I kind of would explain it's kind of like having rims on a car and having tires, right? You know, instead of just putting a, imagine if we were in a world where all of your tires came with rims too, and you had to replace all of it together, it would be different, uh, maybe way more expensive, but you know, now you can just change the tires out and the rims stay there on the shoe. The, the, you know what I'm talking about? So that's kind yeah. of the analogy we use, but, um, yeah. But anyways, I think that we find that the people that are designing shoes, the people that are making shoes, they've never had to actually go through what it looks like when you pull it off after being worn and see what damage it causes after the fact. Um, yeah. And then repairing that usually has to, you know, tells us having to, a lot of times what we do is we'll actually, we'll actually disassemble the shoe and we'll re-engineer it the way a shoe kind of used to be made. And when they end up getting a shoe that's better than it was in the one they bought, because yeah. we have to kind of repair it the way a, a, an, art, a, an old old cobbler would have done it. So yeah. um, I don't know if I answered your, your question clearly because it's hard to explain, but there's just a lot yeah. of little gaps there where the damage that happens in a repair, a shoe manufacturer's never seen it before. They've never seen someone wear a heel up into the heel base to where – or they've never seen a shoe where the guy, a, a guy's wearing a cowboy boots and he's worn the shoe – so much that his foot is literally on the ground, like his sock is on the floor. And he'll send these in. He'll send them in and be like, hey, I want to get the heels fixed. And we're like, sir, I'm sticking my finger in your shoe. Oh, y'all fix that? You know, like, like is the, the world, the things that a shoe, shoe manufacturers have never even seen stuff like that before. They don't even yeah. know someone would ever do that. They would wear their shoe like that and damage it that much and yeah. So that's kind of the disconnect is they don't really see the after effect of what their shoe looks like after it's been worn for a while. Yeah. Um, I, I'd say that that's also part of like the, the end user, the customer of not even knowing this kind of goes back to like not even knowing that certain things could be fixed because um, they don't know. I guess they think, oh, well, that's the end of it, right? Like that's that's where this shoe is done and it's life is over. Um, and maybe they don't have that information from the brand. I mean, I think that that would be really beneficial to for a brand to be like, okay, here's what it could, you know, look like. Um, I don't know why that keeps doing that. But um, like the brand kind of saying, okay, here's, here's like, here's what it could look like in the end, right? Like here's, here's the worst case scenario of your shoe. And if it looks like this, it can still be fixed. It's still fixable. Um and I think that this, I guess my larger question is when people don't know that they can fix something, um, a lot of the times I would imagine that that's um, uh, 
lower quality shoes where they don't think that it has that value anymore um, and that it's not, you know, good enough quality to repair. So I guess some of the shoes from some of the, you know, not as high end as like Cole Haan, but maybe some of the other partners that you have, like what, what, what's the case there with some of those materials that are just not high quality enough? Um, what does that yeah, look like? It, it gets tough sometimes. I mean, still, we still say well, there's nothing we can't fix. Most of the shoes are still made of predominantly, you know, leather, rubber, and some plastic materials, the mm-hmm. plastic, you know, man-made materials, those, those, unfortunately become the most difficult pieces to work with like vinyl yeah. a lot of people will send in a vinyl shoe and all the vinyls peeling yeah. not, i mean it's not much uh-huh. you can do with that because it's completely falling apart yeah. um but like we find a lot of the customers they send these shoes in um and you probably have seen this before some of yours it just happens um which is not a bad thing but these shoes will literally start to disintegrate mm-hmm. um I don't know if you've seen that where all of a sudden they'll, they'll, they'll take a shoe out of the closet and they'll put on the, the rubber just starts to like it. You can even touch it. It starts to get slimy. And, yeah. I, and I think it's because those are actually, a lot of those are from sustainable uh, efforts. They've tried to make these, these components and they're using components that, that actually will um, decompose in landfills. So mm-hmm. they're making things that start to kind of deteriorate over a certain amount of time if they're not stored correctly, even, even quite, even quicker. But um a lot of times when we have situations like that, we have to remove all of it. So we have to get all of that off there, um, those cheaper components. We try to just get all of it off and then we replace it as best we could. Now, to your question, Laura, about like the cheaper shoes. So sometimes the replace the, the repair cost is higher or as much as the new shoes. We find mm-hmm. that. Um, we still encourage those people, hey, I know you love these shoes. You're broken. You've broken them in. They feel great. They've conformed to your foot. You can go buy a new pair of shoes and throw these in the trash if you want and get you some new ones. You'll have to break those in again um, or let us fix them, make them look brand new again, and they'll be soft. They're already conformed to your foot. You've already kind of gotten through that point. And most people yeah. agree with that. They love the shoes. That's why they're sending them in. Um, yeah. but, uh, but we'll even find customers that they don't care. They're like, if it's a $20 pair of you know, I, I, sh- I don't know if I still care if I sell these brands. I don't know if I'm violating anything, but uh, you know, Nine Wests, for example. I mean, we have so many Nine West enthusiasts because Nine Wests are hard to get now. They were a fairly, inefo- you know, fairly affordable shoe back in the day. Yeah. But now, you know, people will do anything to fix these things, and they're beautiful shoes. You know, that were that were affordable. So yeah. I would argue that usually, not usually, but sometimes the cost of our repairs to do like a full restoration on some shoes is probably more than they paid for them, and they're like, that is money well spent. Because yeah. these are my favorite shoes and I can't find them. I can't get them anymore. They're not in business or they're not available. Um, a lot of the styles and the designs that these customers fell in love with, they, they're they no longer available. So yeah. there's value there too that's more about just the purchase price. Um, yeah. So we try to move that away. We try to... We don't. We're, we try not to do repairs based upon value of shoes. I mean, we always are conscious of that. We, we do it based upon love of shoes. Right. right? Do you love them? Yeah. What's the value of, of how good these look on you, how good they feel on your feet? And what's the value of being able to wear them again? And that's because that, that's what we, our value, our, the labor's the labor, the work's the work, the craftsmanship is the craftsmanship. It is what it is. Um, yeah. I would argue sometimes that the shoes that cost hundreds of dollars were made exactly how the shoes that are, cost $50. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I, I want to, I just this love piece is really interesting and it's come up in, in many conversations actually. And I, yes. I think, um, 
I mean, I love the love piece. And I think this idea of falling in love with this piece of whatever in your home, if that's part of your life, whether it's your house or your shoes or whatever. And that kind of commitment to like, you know, I'm going to fix you. I'm not just going to trash you. I feel like it also kind of comes up against um, like there. I've, I think part of what Laura and I are trying to do with this with this podcast is is help um, expand maybe the fraction of the population that is actually willing to like fall in love and fix their stuff. Um, because I think that it kind of comes up against the consumerist, the consumer tendency where it's like, it's not even about the, like, how much do you love your things? It's just about, oh, this one's broken get a new thing. And like that, like question that like moment where you stop and you go like, but wait, I broke these in. I actually love them. Like, can I like can I can I stick with these and could no. that make me as happy as buying a new pair of shoes like that's really interesting to me yeah yeah we one of our uh, in our little thank you card we put in with our box back that's actually our tagline we hope you fall in love all over again mm. that's oh our God, line it's, it's kind of like we always and that's most of the five star reviews we get is like oh my gosh I forgot how much I loved these these are my yeah. favorites and now they're new again and I remember now, because that's what we try to remind people is remember when you got these, you loved these, you fell in love with them when you bought them. That's why you bought them. And yeah. also when we argue with them, we don't argue with them, but we're like, <laughs> keep in mind too, sir, you wore these boots so much that your foot is walking on the dirt, <laughs> on dirt through the shoe. You, and we're like, we don't, we don't even ask. We say, I know you love these boots. That You have yeah. to. No one would wear something this long if they didn't absolutely love them. Yeah. You know, why? And so some of these guys, sometimes well, I can get a new pair of boots. I can get, yeah, you, no, you can't. And we're like, you can't get these boots. You can go get another pair, but you cannot get these boots. These boots have a story. This, these yeah. have, these are your boots. Um, yeah. And so there's a big difference there of, of buying new boots or, I mean, these are truly yours. So um, especially Western boots, we say, I mean, because it takes a while to break in a pair of Western boots. We always mm -hmm. tell people, hey, remember the, the blood, sweat, and tears you went through to get these things to feel good because it ain't easy for a little while there. Um, you, you've earned these boots. Like, let us fix them up for you. And they always agree. Like, they, they totally understand that. But, um, but that's yeah. the idea. Is there's a lot of love, a lot of memories. We're fixing damaged goods. We call them damaged, but they're loved goods, we say. They've been, yeah. they've been loved so much that they need to be fixed. You Otherwise you would have thrown them away. That's why you sent them to us. That's why you're looking to find a solution because you don't want to get rid of them. So, yeah. Well, we agree. <laughs> <laughs> it applies to everything, right? So. Yeah, but it, it does. It, I mean, you know, what Cynthia said is that we are feeling, hearing this trend across all the different industries that we're talking um, to on this podcast is this, that's the real factor here is that like love and the, uh, nostalgia and the sentimentality of stuff that we have um, and our attachment to it. And I think, you know, to Cynthia's point too, we're trying to expand that a bit to people that that's not their first thought, but it is because we're trying to just connect those two. Um, and it feels like that's what you're doing. I mean, I think that that's what a lot of repair businesses are trying to do is to really like, I don't know, dive into that section and expand it and try to have everyone kind of see that and that to keep doing it, to keep repairing things. Um, 
uh, I feel like we could talk about that section for um, eternity. So <laughs> I mean, like, I, don't wind me up. I'll, I'll go on yeah. for days. So I know, this is like, the life we live all day long. It's just, yeah, it's fun. It's our passion because people, our customers agree. I mean, that's what they're so happy because we, we remind them of the, you know, the item they bought that they, some people it's the most expensive pair they've ever bought. It's, it's their only nice pair they have. And then we bring yeah. it back to life and they're like, Oh my gosh, like not only did you save me money, but all the memories that I've not, yeah. I wore these shoes in my wedding. I wore these shoes at this, my bachelorette party. I mean, just, it's just really cool to hear those stories. And a lot of the stuff we do a lot of, um, family heirlooms, lots of mm-hmm. them, a lot yeah. of late, late father's briefcases. And, um, you know, and it's and it's very we t- we we don't take it lightly. You know we yeah. we have we put our best guys on those jobs as best we can to, to try to bring these things back to life because you know their their grandfather or war heroes things like that. You know yeah. there's a, that's a whole other element of just understanding that you know antiques and vintage stuff. You know we we bring those back to life and they can be they can yeah. be uh, restored. So yeah, well I think that that gets that's a nice segue into you know, your, your process. Um, if you could talk a little bit about your process, I think that that would be really interesting of, um, cause you mentioned that there were like a, you know, different artisans that kind of specialize in certain aspects. So I'd really like to hear a little bit of detail in there. Yeah. So, um, the one thing that's different about us, I mean, I say I'm a third generation cobbler. Honestly, I, I think I'm an insult to real cobblers, like the true <laughs> artisans. Like I, they, I can't do what they do. They're unbelievable. But I say I am because I, I can, I can do some damage around a, you know, a jackmaster or, or a, or a um, you know, a, a shoe anvil and stuff. So I'm okay. But, um, but yeah, we. I say that just because we have, uh, we're we're not your neighborhood stripper shop, right? I mean. And, and we're, we're fighting and supporting as many of them as we can. We don't want shoe cobblers to go out of business because we need mm-hmm. the industry to stay alive. We need people to know that this yeah. can be done. Um, but it is a dying art, unfortunately, like many other services like this. And, but we're kind of in a different level. We, um, we have two facilities here in Texas, uh, two central plants that have probably a, well over 100 artisans working in them. Some of them have been with us for 30 years. Um, I actually grew up in the repair, our first repair facility here in Austin was in North Austin. We moved a few times, but I mean, these guys raised me when I was a little kid. I was, I was, my dad had me, I was polishing black shoes. I was was allowed to do is polish the black (laughs) shoes. And they had me doing that as a little kid, but all the guys that raised me as a kid, all these guys, they're still there now. Uh, They're like my other fathers. It's amazing. But, um, but we have, they've hired their sons and their daughters. It's kind of a, so we have a just an amazing group here that um, it's truly a, a just a giant family, um, but we have two centralized repair plants here, um, and that's kind of what's been our secret sauce is that we have our corporation has probably thirty stores all across Texas, retail stores, shoe repair mm-hmm. shops that do a lot of volume, and all those shoes are brought to a central plant where we're actually able to do it in a centralized fashion as opposed to the mom and pop kind of deal where. That's been the struggle for a lot of the mom and pops. That's why a lot of them aren't making it now is because they can't cover their overhead. They're standing at the front counter talking to customers and they got to go in the back and do all the repairs and try to run a business. If they actually have any success, they get overwhelmed. They can't keep up. And then all the customers Mm -hmm. are unhappy because they're taking months to get the stuff done. Then they start turning work away. We've seen it a million times where they start turning away easy jobs because it's not worth their time just to glue uh, this lady's Birkenstock buckle back together 
the eight dollars for that's not worth it, they'll turn it away. They'll only yeah. they'll only focus on expensive jobs. So we don't do that. We don't turn anything away. I have an entire department just for custom repairs that has probably twenty to thirty thousand dollars of hardware and components and buckles and zippers. All they do is just repairs like that. We call them our custom repairs. Then we have an we have an entire dye facility. All they do is dye work, and it's a it's a specialized group where they're doing suede cleaning. They're doing custom dyeing for weddings. They're they're dyeing they're redyeing purses back to the original color, and it's all mixed custom mixed to match. So we we have the scale and capacity to be very specialized in our different areas. We have enough volume. We can buy all of our components in bulk. So. A lot of those things have given us ability to do things that the local cobbler unfortunately can't really do. We have equipment that really the, only the shoe manufacturers have. We have that type of equipment in our facility. Um, but Cobblers Direct, uh, we're just kind of another one of those stores. We are a mail. We are the mail order store of our corporation. So our mail order facility, it's basically a giant facility with our consultants and our team for the more of a fulfillment center um, where we're doing a. Because half the battle of repairs, and you'll see this in any industry, whether it's tailors, whether it's dry cleaning, any service like that, half the battle is the consultation. It's the expertise. Yeah. I mean, have, being able to fix the shoes is one thing, but be, but you also need to talk to the customer, diagnose damage, consult with them, manage expectations, educate them on what the risks are, what the yeah. benefits are, features, benefits, all those things about what's about to happen. You know, when yeah. someone walks in and says, hey... Can you fix my zipper? Okay, that's a big question. What do you mean? Is the track off? Is the zipper broken? Are you missing teeth? Is the zipper rotten? Do we need to replace the whole thing? Do we just need to put a new zipper pull? Sometimes it's just a pull. Like they just need a new yeah. pull on it. Sometimes the slide came off the track. But the customer says, I got a broken zipper. So there's just a huge knowledge gap of what does that actually mean? Um, so... Our business model is our brick-and-mortar stores and Cobbler's Direct. We take on the consultation. We take on the education and the customer service. We take in the articles here. Customers will place their orders online after being consulted with us. They print the mailing label out. Super easy. We pay for all the shipping. Um, at least not we don't pay for it, but it's, it's on our FedEx account. Yeah. Uh, they just print the label out, put it in a – we always send our stuff. Use a box you already have. Recycle. Use an Amazon box. Use something you already have. Don't go – you know, you know, try to reuse something. Um, box up the items. You mail them to us. Once we receive them, we take photos of everything. Once we receive it, um, we call every customer to finalize the order. If everything's good to go, it's usually more of just a courtesy call. Um, but if we need to, if we need to talk to them about additional repairs, which is pretty common, we'll we'll call them. We'll leave them messages. We'll get them either by email or phone, and we'll talk to every customer to consult with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's something we've invested a lot into because. One, it's just it's not it's a disservice to the customer just to do this yeah. without talking to them. They need to be communicated with, um, and we find most of our five star reviews, which you'll see, we have a lot of them. Um, it's always like the repairs are amazing, but wow, they actually called me. I can't believe a person <laughs> called me. They called me and communicate with me. That's they're more excited about that almost than they are than the repairs. Just yeah. the service aspect of it. So, um, so we do that. We process the orders. We get them all ready, and then they. Our courier comes over and they take them to our central plant. They get repaired. We do some of the repairs here, but most of them are done in our central plant, which is right down the road. They come back and then we f we ship them out back to the either directly to the customer or if we're shipping them back to DSW, we'll ship them back to DSW, and then that's basically it in a nutshell. But um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, you painted the picture really well. <laughs> yeah, yes. I, yeah, I know. I see it and I love it. 
We offer that option to people to where they can either ship it themselves or now, which we're trying to promote more. So our next area really to invest into is giving them the ability to drop it off at a local drop off, which right now we have 500 stores all across the country, but we're also signing up with dry cleaners, Mm -hmm. even shoe repair shops we're working with now, like coffee shops have called us like anybody that wants to generate foot traffic for their business. Mm-hmm. Our program works. You can literally just say, I mean, grocery stores, pharmacies. I mean, anyone that wants yeah. to do any type of service you know, or have foot traffic, all you need to do is put the sign in the store and our system is, is ready to go. So the bottom line mm-hmm. is if you don't want to deal with mailing it and packaging it up, you can just drop it off at a local drop-off and they'll ship it for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind Love of it. strikes me that, um, you know, you said you're not like an amazing artisanal cobbler, but you're probably exactly what your business needs because you're thinking about how do people live today and what are their expectations and technology and all of this and how do you how do you, you know, support all of those expectations and you know, keep this artisanal business going. It's a really nice marriage. But I was gonna say, you know, we're we're definitely gonna try to wrap up. Laura, is there anything else you wanted to you wanted to get at or are we good? No, we're good. That yeah. was, yeah, okay. that's good. Well, Stephen, was there anything that you were really hoping to say out loud that you didn't get a chance to? Um, really just, you know, our mission is really to go out there into the world and just let the world know that, you know, there is an option to repair over a place. I mean, we feel yeah. everywhere I go, when I tell when someone asks me what I do, I tell them what we do. Like, I, I swear... of the time, every person I talk to and I tell them what I do, they say, oh my gosh, I have something. You guys, do you fix handbags? Do you fix sandals? Everyone has something in their closet across this entire country, if not the world, that probably needs to be fixed. Whether it's a shoe, it's a belt that needs to be shortened. It's a purse where it's just sitting in the closet and it could be just a little bit of work here and there. um, And they're not using it. They've they've decommissioned it because they think it can be fixed. I'm here to tell yeah. the world, everyone know, anything you've got, it can be fixed. Fix it and bring it back out of the closet or out of the woodworks and use it again and fall back in love with it um, because the service is there and now it's readily available anywhere across the United States and probably going to be global soon. But um, cobblersdirect.com, let us know. We're, we're here to help. You can ask for me personally if you want to. Steve and I Kelly, love that. ask for yeah. personally. <laughs> ask for the girl dad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ask for well, I, will, I will take care I was of you. Gonna, I was going to send people to your website, but you just did that. Yeah, yeah you did you're that. A pro. So um, <laughs> we really, really appreciate you, you know, sharing all of this with us. And it's it's so inspiring to talk to, um, you know, these business leaders that are, you know, so committed to repair. And I love repair over replace. I'm just going to add that to my thing that I say every day. I'm going to, I'm going to say it a lot. Um, no, so thank you so much. And we really appreciate the time and, um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. you. It's been a pleasure. This was fun. Thank you. Thanks. Be sure to visit housing works eShop where their unique selection of merchandise is updated daily. All purchases from housing works support their mission and shopping pre-loved items is also good for the environment. In 2022, Housing Works recovered over 950,000 items and the number grows every year. eShop.housingworks.org. All right. So we just got off the phone, video, whatever, with Stephen. Um, what a cool conversation. What a cool guy. Yeah. What a cool company. Um, one of the things that I wrote down uh, that I was like, 
light bulb was junkyard, which um, this idea when he was talking about his how designers aren't really they don't really see their product after it goes out and is purchased. And they don't really yep. know like what happens to it or how does it fall apart or what are the problems? And like, yeah. this is quickly becoming one of my favorite things to say to anyone who will listen is like, if you want to have a circular business, if you want to have any kind of like um, resale, repair, recycling, anything, you have to take your product back and like touch it and look at it and spend yeah. time with it. We also heard that from our mechanic engineer friend, Ron, Mr. G, and he was literally spending time in the junkyard. But like, you have to see how these things wear every product, like where does it fall apart? What's the issue? How could, and yeah, how can you fix yeah. that? And also how can you design it in the first place so that that doesn't happen? So like yeah. that was my like, junkyard moment. And and I and he really he t- kind of tapped into that because he was talking about how talking with the customers is probably one of the most important parts of his business and yeah. understanding what the problem is, mm-hmm. kind of why that problem might have happened, and yeah. exploring that problem even further. And then he you know he mentioned managing expectations, which I think is really yeah. important too. But yeah. I think he's he he's really diving into that of understanding what this problem is from this customer's uh, perspective. And I, I I agree. I think that there's like this disconnect between once that shoe is gone or that product is gone and then it's broken or something that they're not, the two are, aren't quite meeting as much as they should. But um, yeah, agree. And so, but it's interesting hearing all of this overlap so far of these common threads that we're, we're definitely hearing, you know, through lines from all of these different, industries so far. And, um, you know, I want to quickly just mention too, like we talked to Hoffman's um, about furniture and they were mentioning how some of the products that are even like really high end products are still made slightly poorly or they're like, it's kind of just like uh, smoke and mirrors. Right. But right. And that's also like what Steven was talking about too, of like even some of the high end things can still just be fake materials and it's all just like this glitz and glamour like show, but it's not real core. And I was like, wow, what, what a time we're living in here. (laughs) Like (laughs) what a great time. How do we go back in time to real quality, which is what everyone keeps alluding to. Um, So what was the other thing? No, that was my other thing. Oh, okay, cool. No, that was it. Great. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, in that case, we'll wrap up this this episode. And um, man, these just keep getting better and better. Love it. I do. Love it. Bye. Bye. Oh, hello. This is Cynthia Power. Laura and I thank you for tuning in. And while understanding circularity and sustainability issues can sometimes have you tied in knots, we hope that by listening to this episode, you were able to untangle or shed light on a circularity issue. And in doing so, you are now empowered to make a difference in your sphere of influence. We would love to have you subscribe to this podcast wherever you consume yours and follow us across social platforms, of course. Be sure to tune in next time. Thank you.